Welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here today with Amy Ogtan of Amy Ever After. Hi. And Andrea Smith, technology guru extraordinaire. Hello. Fresh back from Cabo. Hmm. Cabo Wabo, baby. <laughs> it looks gorgeous. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was a little cold, I have to say. Wow. Really? Um, Shocking. Well, I mean, you know, I thought it was gorgeous, but it was a little bit too cold um, to lay out by the pool sometimes. Like, it was breezy. We were right. right on the water. And when the sun wasn't shining, it was a little chill. It was like 73 degrees. Mm. Oh, okay. That is a little cool yeah. for the beach. It's yeah. a little chilly for the beach, yeah. But still nice. Still oh, better, better than 20. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, today on the show, we are talking about when your children actually become adults and that parenting kids over 18 is still parenting uh, based on an article we all read last week by Megan Francis, which is called Parenting Kids Over 18 is Still Parenting. You just get less control and the stakes are higher. And given that Andrew's been in this uh, <laughs> space for a while now, and Amy's just entered it, I'm soon to enter it, but I don't think 18 is this hard and fast markup. I think it's really about your kids getting older and you thinking everything's going to get easier and then you're in for a big surprise. So we're going <laughs> to talk about that on the show today, and then we will have our bites of the week. Okay, so let's talk parenting older kids. Um, this article kind of flew around Facebook, I think. This, I, this article, uh, partly I always think it's because no one writes enough about parenting older kids. Like right. everyone's so caught up in the potty training and the toddler discipline and all that stuff. But it's hard. It is so much, right? People say bigger kids, bigger problems. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things I liked about what Megan talked about was the stakes being higher. Um, I think that's like a good way to put it, that you just feel like these decisions your kids are making once they're 17, 18, and all the way up are a bigger deal, right? Like you're talking about jobs, college, potentially finding their mate, you know, or getting married, whatever these things are. Um they're big. They're big life decisions. It's a lot bigger than, you know, do I bring these pajamas or those pajamas to my friend's sleepover? <laughs> well, they're big and, and they do have bigger consequences, right? And it's at a time when you're supposed to be kind of stepping back and letting your now adult child make decisions for themselves. And it's really, really hard or it was really hard for me because I was kind of a controlling parent to step back and say, okay, hopefully I've taught you what you need to know to make the right decisions. And man, if they screw it up, it's really bad. Um, or if you're like Amy's parenting style, which <laughs> I always say, you know, I want to go back and try that way. You know, it's kind of like you've been making these decisions all your, you know, kind of teenage years. So you should be fine. So it, it's a little weird as a parent to kind of figure out, okay, what do I do now? Yeah, I think that the more independence you've given your kids, definitely the easier it does make it when, they, when they're when they on their own. It doesn't make it easy. And the funny thing is when my kids were little, I'm talking like five, six, I was counting the days until they were out of the house because when they're that age, it's just all about taking care of them, like physically taking care of them. And it's exhausting and it's all encompassing. And I just, I wanted them out. 
And then, of course, they get older and you're not like wiping butts and noses and having to feed them all the time. And they're kind of nice to be around. Like they're, I, I'm not going to say friends, but like they're they're nice to hang out with. And I no longer wanted my son to leave. Like when it was time to go to college, I was like, I didn't want him. I, of course, I wanted him to go, but like I didn't want him gone. And so, it, it, which if you know me was not predictable. Like, if you know me, you'd be like, she's just waiting for her kids to get out of the house. <laughs> but it didn't happen. Like, they're Oh, I'm finally... terrified. I'm horrified. There are things we do together. Like, I'm I'm going to lose, like, my TV Wait. watching buddies. I already told the girls we have to FaceTime during good trouble. Like, I can't be a 48-year-old woman watching Freeform. I can't <laughs> by myself. <laughs> like, that's mortifying. Like, I have to have my teenage daughters to, like, be my cover that's just it. It's such cruel timing. They finally get to the point where you want to be around them and then they're supposed to go. It's, it's, I don't know. I, there needs to be another, like you, you need to be able to get rid of them from like, I don't know, 10 to 16 and then get them back. It's called boarding school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wanted boarding school from like three <laughs> to five. Um, but I, I have this double edged thing where obviously like I'm so sad at the thought of them leaving of like not having them to hang out with. But on the other hand, I'm so excited for them. Yeah. I am so excited for them. Like I just know that like what's ahead is, you know, not always going to be easy or whatever, but like so much more what they need now. They are so done with high school. (laughs) Well, that's why, of course, I wanted him to go. That's why, of course, it was like, no, you have to go to college away from New York. You have to be on your own. You have to experience this. You have to. Yeah. But what's really nice is that once they're done with that, they... They come back, and and I don't necessarily mean physically, although a lot of kids do come back home after school now until they find a job or figure out what they want to do. But now, or at least for me, and and Matt is twenty eight. It's he calls, you know, mm. like I'll text him, and he calls me. He's like, oh my god, I can't have this whole conversation over text. <laughs> but I think that's how he wants to communicate, and he'll call me. And when he does have something, you know, a decision to make. He'll call and kind of use me as a sounding board. And I say that because I now will allow myself to be used as a sounding board instead of immediately saying, I want, I think you should do this. Hmm. You know, like I've changed as well. So I'm not saying you need to do this or don't forget and do this, do this. It's more, oh, that's an interesting option. And did you research this and kind of listen and let him talk things through. It's so interesting. There was also an article in the New York Times um, this week written by the director of family engagement at Barnard College. And the article is four ways to help your college student grow up. And she talks about the number of parents who call the school when their kid doesn't get the class they want, when the kids and moms and dads and how different the moms approach it than the dads. But in essence, the same thing, like you have to make an exception for my child to get this class or whatever it is, they're swooping in. And she said, this is a stat that I thought was hilarious, which is 61% of American adults with children 18 to 29 say parents are doing too much for their young adult offspring, but only 28% say they themselves are doing (laughs) too much. So nobody thinks they're doing too much, but they think everyone else is. And, um, and she was sweet because she says, like, I don't think I don't like helicopter or a bulldozer or a snowplow. Like, I don't like those terms. I just think of them as fix it parents. Like, all they want to do is fix it. 
Um, and she said, sometimes the kids don't even know. They don't know that Ooh. the parent called the school. So then the parent, you know, when the school will then seek out the kid to make sure they're okay and be like, you're okay. And the kid's like, oh, I love my classes. Like, I'm good. Like, <laughs> I didn't want to be in that class. Like, See, that's the crazy thing to me. Like, I don't know what classes my son has this semester. And if I asked him, he would tell me, but I don't care. Like, he's taking the classes that he needs to take. And it's a weird dynamic because on one hand, I get why parents want to have some sort of control because a lot of the time they're paying for it. And so they do feel like they have some kind of ownership over it. But I, I think you have to kind of sever yourself from that financial part because it really does have to be the kids thing. Well, and also, and I've seen people post about this on Facebook, and, and I have the same shock. Your kid turns 18 and they go off to college and you're paying their tuition for the most part, but you have no access to their yeah. grades. You have no access to anything unless they sign a consent form giving you that access. So it's really so shocking for parents because on the one hand, you're a parent, right? You've got the purse strings. You want to be able to kind of say, I think you should go this route. And the kids are just like, wow, you know, I'm 18 and none of this is getting shared with my parents anymore. And it, it's kind of like... I don't think they're ready for that, but I, I I, also at the same time think that calling the school and trying to fix everything, it kind of tells your kid you don't trust them to do it themselves. And that's why I keep harping on how you have to start the independence thing way earlier, yeah. Like because if they're not ready to at least pick their own classes, maybe in discussion with you, you know, maybe, I mean, my, my son, I'm, it's not the same situation because I think most of his classes are kind of mandatory freshman year. Um, but you know, so maybe you, you, they can consult you, but it really, sh they should be at a point where they can make those decisions and they won't be right all the time, but that's just part of it. And this shouldn't be the first mistake they're making. Like they should have had the chance to screw up way before this. Yeah. They also need to know to go to other adults that are supposed to be the ones set up, right? If you have a Dean, if you have an RA, like they're supposed to know that there mm -hmm. are adults who actually know the answers to these things that aren't you. Yeah. Um, because then what are you going to do? You're going to go and call the RA. You know what I mean? Like your, your kids inserting you into that conversation is also something they need to learn not to do. Like if they have an right. issue during high school, they should know to go talk to their teacher, not need you to talk to their teacher. Well, according to my good friend who is head of uh, all of the residence halls for a college, Yes, the parents will call. Yes, oh, all the yeah. time. Yeah, that's what this article is about. And that's where they're like, you know, when you have trouble with your boss at work, are you going to have your parent call your boss? Yes, that happens too. <laughs> yeah, that does happen, actually. <laughs> that's so demented. That like, that is crazy. But, you know, it goes back to what, what this article points out, which is these are higher stakes. These are much yeah. higher stakes, right? If your kid screws up their major or they don't have enough um, credits to graduate, well, that's money, right? Then they need another semester. Or, you know, if they get into a relationship that is just not right for them, those are bigger stakes. And it's so much harder to back out and say, this is your life, you're making your own decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I've had that in my own family. I've had people very close to me who I saw were making terrible decisions relationship-wise. Um, and it was interesting to see that play out because nobody stepped in overtly, but like there's ways to do it subtly that like starts to work into that person's brain a little bit where they eventually come to the conclusion themselves, you hope. 
Um, yeah, I have to be honest. I mean, when I, you know, and I and I make no, I, I, it's not a secret. I was not thrilled with my son's first choice of life partner, girlfriend. Um, and, and when they moved in together, you know, I just didn't think that she was the one. And of course you can't say that because you don't want to alienate your kid and you don't want to ruin your relationship with your kid. But in retrospect, of course they've broken up and he has a lovely new girlfriend now. Um, in retrospect, when we talk about it, he's like, God, she was so not right for me. Right. And... And on the one hand, I'm, I just want to say, I could have told you that and saved you two years. But on the other hand, it's so great seeing how he matured, how he learned what was wrong, how he learned not to make that mistake again. And to Amy's point, boy, I sure wish I had given him the opportunity to make those mistakes five, six, seven years prior to that. Um, but it, it is really uh, heartening to see that your adult kids do learn from their mistakes and, and you know, move on. And there is nothing that you could have told him that would have made him break up with her, like just based no. on you knowing. Or like, sometimes worse a, than they yes, really want to yeah. stay with the person, right? I like, stayed with my high school boyfriend for probably an extra two years because a close relative of mine told me that he was horrible and I should break up with him. And of <laughs> course she was right. And I even knew that she was right, but there was no way that I was going to let her be right. No, so, not at that age. No, no. way. Yeah, it's really hard. It, it's, it's funny. One of my daughters a few months ago had like a total breakdown and I'm like what's wrong like she was fine and she was like I don't want to be an adult like she had like a total and it was so sweet I hear but I was that. like who says you're going to be an adult like what, what is going she's like I'm turning 18 I was like there's not like a magic thing that happens like just because the government decides you can vote and you could go to the military like you're you're not and Megan talks about this in her piece like you know and I think we've talked about this before on the show biologically actually between 18 and 25 is this whole other growth period in the brain that, you know, develops decision-making ability and reasonability and logic. Like they actually are not fully formed at all. And my nephew just turned 25 and we're like, that's it, you're done. Well, it's, it's like the car rental companies are the only ones that got it right. Because you can drink and you can smoke and you can vote and you can go in the military, but you can't rent a car until your brain is fully grown. Unless you want to pay a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, That's funny. (laughs) Um, But it is true. Like there is, so I think there's also this pressure we put on our kids to feel like adults at 18, you know, or they feel like adults. And then they, if they go off to college, it's sort of like, see it. Like my, it's funny. My grandma was always this big proponent of the Israeli system that everyone goes in the military for two years at 18. And it's not like my grandma was pro military. Like she, that wasn't what it was about. She really always felt that it gave everybody in the country because everybody does it. So first of all, it's this incredibly unifying thing countrywide, And everyone has the shared experience of that, which creates a very interesting, you know, kind of country ethos. But you have these two years where you are having to learn to work together, having to be in situations you don't love, having to sort of work as a group or take commands or, you know, whatever it is. Um, You travel, you, you know, you have to learn how to take care of yourself and your space and other people. And then at the end of those two years, you're 20, which still isn't 25, but like, you've had this time to kind of really get to know yourself, be away from home, grow, and then you go to college or you travel, you know, whatever it is you do. But it is really interesting, that sort of mandatory um, experience that is shared. 
Well, and I do. I think it teaches kids, you know, how to get along, how to talk yeah. to your supervisor, how to listen to authority. I mean, it's. It, I don't think that kids are doing that in college, and I and I no. certainly don't think, for the most part, kids learn that in high school anymore because so many parents want to step in and and you know make sure everything's going the right way for them. And I am the fixer in my family, which is not great. <laughs> um, but like my son on his way back to school just a couple weeks ago. He took the bus from Manhattan back to Ithaca, and then when he got into town, he took an Uber from town to his dorm and left his wallet in the Uber and wasn't even sure that he left his wallet in the Uber, like he just lost his wallet. And I so very much wanted to like give him a list of 50 things he needed to do, you know, and like right. check and make sure that he had photocopied everything in his wallet. And, you know, here's how you file the thing with Uber and find out if they found And like, I was just like, let me know what happens, buddy. And that was really hard, but that's, that's what's necessary. So hard. That is so hard. That is so hard. Like it is, but it's the right thing to do. You know, what's so annoying to me is I, the past year and a half, I've made my daughters make all their own doctor appointments, dentist appointments, everything. Cause I'm like, you know what? I'm not your secretary. Like they both have so many after school commitments, this and that. I'm like, you call, you make your appointments, you know, your calendar. Yeah. And then the doctor's office calls me. No matter what, they call me, they text me to confirm to just, I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's so annoying. Even yesterday, my daughter had to pick up her forms for her working papers at the doctor's office. She had to get like, you know, proof that she's physically fit to sit on an office chair. And she, they called me to tell me they were ready. I'm like, now I got to text her and tell her to go pick them up, you know? And I'm like, that's so annoying. But wait until they officially turn 18 and then you're no longer allowed access to any of their records. Well... Except I already know all their sign it. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing. Like, you know, at 13, I lost access to my... Yeah, in New York, it was 13. I think 12. I I can't remember, but I just remember like... You had to get the proxy. On one day, I was able to go into our health insurance account and see everybody's stuff and pay everybody's bills and see everybody's test results. And then once each kid turned either 12 or 13, not only could I not do it, but the tech support people couldn't get it back. And to this day, now I just have to like have their logins because we right. couldn't make it work. It's really stupid. I can't, my daughter, I have to pay her a bill uh, from the last time she went to the doctor. I can't do it. And now I'm going to have to call, which is yeah. like the worst punishment ever. It's so annoying. <laughs> you well, you can make her do someone. it, make her log in and pay the bill. But that's the thing. <laughs> like I'm paying the bill. Like, she, I like, know. like it's not her mind. So like she makes the appointments. I get the confirmations, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm actually paying the bill, so I feel like that's something that I have to do, and I can't. It's it is so stupid. so aggravating that everyone works like in so many ways. There are all these levers in place that work against you mm-hmm. <laughs> to give them independence, and um, you know that's annoying too. But calling the school, I definitely stopped doing a long time ago. Oh. I don't know. I never really called the school anyway. But if there was, you know, if it escalated with the teacher. Um, I would definitely step in and now they, they definitely handle it, but they've learned that it'll work out. Like, I think that was part of it too, is the more you step in, the more anxiety your kids have around something Hmm. because they feel less control over it. Um, but there's also a point where your kid needs help. Like there just is like, there's not maybe at 20, but like at 13, 14, like there's some times where they just, they can't handle an adult yet the right way. And they need help. And and sometimes the adults are not behaving in a way that they yes, should be. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's not fair to the kid 
Which is also why I love this phrase in the article. I think it was a psychologist who said that 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 stage, you know, before they become official adults is emerging mm-hmm. adulthood. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like they, they have the legal, you know, they're legally an adult, but they don't have the reasoning power and, and you know, the tools yet to be an actual adult. So I love right. the emerging adulthood. Um, I will say this. I mean, I, there are so many things that I had hoped that I taught my son, you know, life skills and decision making and really, really making an effort to step back and and just let him do these things and just be there. And I just laughed so hard when he called me a couple of weeks ago to say that his car died, like it just was dead. (laughs) And I, you know, there I am walking him through the battery, jump starting the battery and telling him how to do it and thinking, okay, well, that's one thing I didn't teach him how to do. But it's nice to know that they'll call. You know, he still feels like he can pick up the phone and know that I will be there to, to help him figure something out. It is kind of a little weird that he didn't know how to do it, though. <laughs> yeah, no, it is weird. And like like Megan, Megan talks about in the article about how, you know, she found out that one of her sons, one of her adult sons hadn't renewed his car registration. And she was like threatening to repossess a car that she didn't own. Like, it's <laughs> right. so right. hard to like let go of having that control and realizing that, you know, it's not really your, that's the hardest part, that it's not your decision anymore. Because even when Jake was still living at home, I could give him a lot of rope and let him make mistakes. But ultimately, I knew that the decisions were mine and that if he got into too much trouble, I was here and I could fix it. And once they're off on their own, yeah, that's gone. It's hard. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, you're always a parent, right? I mean, people will always say that no matter how old your your kid gets, you're always a parent, like it just doesn't end. Um, They just need you for different things. Yep. Right. So you just hope that they know you're always there. And that you can they won't I don't know, they won't ever become in a place where they feel like they don't have that safety net or have something to fall back on. But they're not stuck in this place where they can't make a decision for themselves. Because I think that's the saddest thing is when you see people in their like 30s even who like cannot make a decision Mm -hmm. because they have no faith in it. And they were used to someone always making that decision for them. And that's what you don't want. I'd rather my kid make mistakes, even if the stakes are kind of high and like learn from it, than never make those decisions at all. Right. And to make those mistakes from the safety of not having them be huge consequences yet. Right. And look, I I have people in my life who had bad quickie marriages, you know, that maybe were a year or whatever. Like people make big life choices that don't work out and they're fine. Like they were okay also. Like they learned a harder way or a more expensive way. But um, you know, they also thankfully like eventually landed in, in wonderful situations. And like some people are just going to make those, you know, bigger life choices that everyone else is holding their breath about. Um, and you even have to let them do that. Right. Like Andrew, if your son had gone through with the wedding, yeah, it would have been worse than if he had broken, you know, broke up with her before, but if he had, and they divorced a year later, yeah. it happened, you know, like, it does happen. It's a crappy life lesson, but it happens all the time. Exactly. Um, Exactly. So, and as a parent, you just have to be okay with that and right. to say, okay, it's his life. Yeah. And I think you have to teach your kids that like nothing is 
irreversible really. Like, I mean, you know, obviously there's extreme things that might be, but like you can bounce back from that. You can learn from that. Like it's, it's okay. Even if they make a giant mistake, like, um, just, it's better not to stay in a situation because you think you're going to disappoint your parents. Yeah. Um, I think that's even worse. Like that makes me so sad when I see people who just made terrible choices because what they thought their parents wanted. Um, and no one talked about it with each other. And then they find out later, like the parents didn't want them to do that either. <laughs> and then they, <laughs> you're just like, oh, it's like heartbreaking to me. So I just want my kids to know that like they can mess up. It's okay. I would rather them do that than like do something they think is the thing I want them to do. Right. But we'll put a link to it on NBC News. And it's a good article. And she has that good uh, reference to that author and psychologist who has the whole emerging adulthood, <laughs> yeah, which is probably a book worth reading. I know we all read the teenage brain a couple years ago. That touches a lot on that. So like, good. You know, so good. And that's what I was going to say before is um, people forget when Hamilton came out, there were a lot of articles about how young they all were, <laughs> not George Washington, but the ones who were really the rabble rousers, right. the Hamiltons, the Lafayette, you know, and like, it makes so much sense. Like, of course they were 21. Who else would be <laughs> like, like rash and obnoxious right. enough to think they could do that? Right. Take on the world's largest, most powerful empire. <laughs> so, you really do have to have a teenage brain. Yes, you do. You really do. So we will be right back with our Bites of the Week. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what you got? Well, you segued very well into my bite of the week because it is the Hamilton movie. Oh. Yes. It was um, announced recently that there will be a theatrical movie, but it's not, it's not, they're not making a movie. Like they filmed several performances of Hamilton a few years ago with the original cast. And I, I always wondered what they were going to do with those because when the making of Hamilton came out, I think it was on was it on PBS? I don't remember. Um, it was great, but I I really wanted it to be filled with that footage. I thought that that's what they were going to use it for, and they didn't. Um, so this is better because there's just going to be a full movie from those filmed performances. And, um, you know, if you've ever seen Into the Woods, the original Into the Woods production, which was the same kind of thing, like they filmed three performances and then turned it into a video... It's it's just such a great way to see something. If you weren't able to see it on the stage, it really is. It's so much better than just like making a movie of it. And it's coming out on, I believe, October 15th, 2021. And it's going to make a gajillion dollars. And a lot of that will be for me. Um, so I, I can't wait. I'm so excited. I, I had my fingers crossed this is what they were going to do. And I really thought they were. And I'm so excited that it's official. I'm so happy they're doing it that way. Yeah. I'm so much happier. Yeah, um, original cast, everything, so people yeah. so people can see it, you know, because there's still so many people who just haven't had an opportunity yep. to see that show, and it is truly amazing. Yeah, and I'm happy they didn't do it as, like, a movie movie where all of a sudden they had to, like, recreate the Revolutionary War. Like, I was like, oh, God. Right. <laughs> no one wants to see that. <laughs> like, exactly. And someday that will, I'm sure, happen. Yes, it'll but, happen. But just like with Into the Woods, I will still go back and just watch my bootleg VHS yes. copy that I got in college <laughs> instead of, you know, the shiny new one with James Corden and Meryl Streep. Well, the technology's very much changed for this, and I think um, the Met Opera has a big 
part of that because they've been doing these incredible Met Opera and HD right. um, movies for years now, and they're spectacular. And it's so much like being in the opera house, but you go and pay twenty dollars. It makes it so accessible. Yeah, it's so great. It does it no longer? It's like for people who are in New York and can afford to buy the expensive tickets. I love it. I think it's a yeah. great trend. No, it's great. All right, Andrea, what do you have? Okay, well, just coming back from travel. <laughs> I'm always, you know, about the new device. And I got um, a new charger at CES. It's made by one of my favorite charging companies called MyCharge, actually. Um, and it is a an updated version of my very favorite charger. So it's about the size of a credit card, but it's thicker. Um, but what it does is it has a built-in lightning cable. It has a built-in USB-C cable, which a lot of uh, phones and devices now are USB-C. It's got 6,700 milliamps, so it's, you know, it can probably charge something twice. And what's great about it is it has quick charging. So it's got that um, Qualcomm quick charge. So whether you're using an Android device or an iPhone device, you're going to get the super fast charging. I think it's 75% faster. So on the plane, I was loading up with my uh, Madam Secretaries. You'll be happy to know I'm catching up on five-year-ago shows. And um, (laughs) my iPad runs down pretty quickly. And it's just great to be able to charge it fully just by carrying this around with me. Um, And it's got built-in wall prongs. That's one of the things my charge does that I love is you don't then, uh, you can, of course, charge it with a USB, but you can also just use the wall prongs and put it right into an outlet in the hotel, charge it up before you go, and then take it with you. Oh, that's great. I got the same one at CES, and it's as awesome as you say. Like, it, it literally, it has everything. And I'm thinking about those times when like all of us are going out and two of my family members have Apple and two of us have um, Android Mm -hmm. and we all probably don't need a charger. So like somebody just needs to bring something and that would cover all of us. Everything. My friends, you know, I had my stuff plugged in and one of the friends I was traveling with came in and said, oh, I want to charge my portable battery, but I forgot to bring the the mini USB, and I forgot mm-hmm. that, you know, it's like you, you have to carry so many cables. So it's it's really nice to be able to have what you need with you. And it's built in, so you're not going to lose it. Right. That's cool. All right. My bite is about the Super Bowl halftime show, um, but it's not one of those articles debating on whether it destroyed the morals of our country. Um, <laughs> it's an article about Shakira's performance and it's everything you might've missed in Shakira's Super Bowl performance. It's on um, vulture.com. And I did not know she was half Lebanese. I knew she was Colombian, but I didn't realize she was also half Lebanese. So when she started belly dancing, I literally looked at the, my daughters and I'm like, oh no, she's going to get like cream for cultural appropriation. Like what's she doing? <laughs> so it turns out she's half Lebanese. Um, and so she, all these things that happened in her set, cause I'm just not as familiar with Shakira as I am with JLo. Right. Um, except for like her big hits here in the U S it is such a great article because it breaks down how incredible she is as a musician. Like she's an incredibly skilled guitarist. She's an amazing drummer. And I don't know if people noticed that that was her. Um, on the drums when J-Lo was singing. I didn't know until the next day when like the morning shows were showing it. Yeah. And then she had like the belly dancing was like her Lebanese heritage. And she had all these Arab instruments on stage with her too. 
And she had all these Afro-Colombian dances that were done during her performances, which people, uh, you know, just all that stuff went over my head. Her cultural references in her set were so specific and like so radical to put out there in the face of like all of her politics today, like that she put so much of her Arab background in there, I thought was so cool. So it's a really good article because if you are like me and you just did not catch half of those things, um, read it. It'll like, give you an entirely different appreciation of of everything she accomplished in that little, whatever it was, six minute set. Um, it was really great. That's very cool. Yeah, JLo had a lot of, of that stuff too. I, I feel like hers was more recognizable. Like yeah, hers was really totally need, recognizable. Yeah, you didn't need a an article, but like all of the Shakira stuff just went right over right, right. my like head when you're too. coming out wearing a giant Puerto Rican flag, like yeah. oh, I got it. <laughs> like it was yep. awesome. We get it. It was awesome. Singing was "Born in the USA." Yeah, right. like exactly. Like that was amazing. But like I understood that 100. Right. Um, but yeah, this was very very cool. Like she just has a really interesting. Um, such an interesting background and such an incredible way of expressing all of her heritage and her music. I loved it. So that I highly recommend. And then if people argue with you about the halftime show, just send them that article and be like, shut up. <laughs> There's so much more going on than just what you think. Um, so pow- I thought it was, I loved it. I thought it was so powerful. And um, I don't know. I don't even care. All the people who are like freaking out because JLo's 50. Like I, that doesn't throw me. Cause I feel like, yeah <laughs> like that's that's what she does for a living like she's gonna look like that at 50 it's she's amazing she's spectacular and gorgeous but like yeah um but i thought the actual thought that went into the show was kind of amazing yeah that's great so that is our show for today uh you can find links to all the things we talked about at parentingbites.com you can leave us messages respond ask us questions at facebook.com slash parenting Of course, wherever you listen to us, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or something else, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Um, We love when you share us with your friends and that we keep gaining new listeners and we love to hear from you. So please don't be shy on Facebook. And until next week, happy parenting. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is our Parenting Bites disclaimer. Everything we talk about on the show is our own opinion. Any products we recommend, it's our own personal recommendation for entertainment purposes only. If you buy something through our affiliate links or you just happen to buy or see or read or watch something that we've recommended, it's at your own risk.